Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining this afternoon for our 2023 full-year accounts and our first half 2024. I'm hoping a lot of you know who I am. If you don't, just a quick resume of who I am. I'm the group CEO of Braemar, been spent my whole life in the shipbroking world, and previous to that was ACM Shipping, and before that was Clarkson's. I also want to introduce to you on my left-hand side, Tris Simmons, who's our COO, and Grant Foley, who is our CFO. I'll let them do a bit of a rundown themselves, but in the meantime, just to say they're doing a sterling job. Tris. Um, yeah, thanks, James. Uh, so my, my background is slightly different from James's in that uh, I come from the energy and commodity space. James and I actually set up a business with GFI over 20 years ago, which is subsequently something that uh, we've expanded on in the last five years and very much the, uh, the centre of our focus on, on diversifying into the securities industry. Good afternoon. Um, I joined the business on the 1st of August as a CFO. My background is predominantly in financial services. I spent a lot of time in, in investment banking and broking and was a CFO and CEO of CMC Markets, which is a, an online trading business where I led the IPO and I've got a lot of experience in the public markets. Fantastic. Right, just a little bit um, to add to that, I want to thank Grant as well for coming in on the 1st of August when a difficult period, but he's done a sterling job to get us through this and get the accounts out, which is the most important thing. So really from our start executive summary here, we've obviously want to emphasize that our 2023 results were a record profits as far as underlying operating profit. The full year dividends was up again for 33%. You can see that. And you can see we strength our liquidity, which Grant will explain further down the line. And basically the idea was originally coming in as CEO was to sell off some of the other core businesses and concentrate on shipbroking alone and you can see we've targeted our growth opportunities and been successful on doing that. As far as the 2024, once again, the first half performance revenue is up, the growth strategy is maintaining itself and the interim is maintained at four pence. But once again, I want to emphasize the fact that we obviously are going to go for growth there as well. Now, strategic update. This is the bit that we want to sort of emphasize here. Now, the business is now shrunk as far as size, but obviously we've diversified within the shipbroking space, concentrating mainly on the shipbuilding side, S&P side, the financing side, the chartering side, and the security side. You can see from where we are on the revenues have all increased. The global office is 17, 15 different sectors, and I think we can safely say that we have a, a great platform to build our business from where we are today. Now, two years on, as I said earlier, we came in there with a very strong strategy when I came in as CEO back in 2021. The main point was to dispose of the non-core businesses. We felt they weren't necessarily complementing the shipbroking space, and we had a very strong emphasize to build with businesses that we understand. So we focused on the shipbroking basis. We have acquired new businesses, for example, like Southport Maritime and our office in Madrid and launched a natural gas 
and all derivatives all in the last year and I think down the line Trist will explain more on what we've done there and where we are on that but most of all they are complementing our present business. We've reduced our net debt, cut costs, increased the dividend. We now have a executive board that fully understands shift broking and that the broking arena, which I personally believe is the right is the right way forward. And now I think we're going to be asked later on about legacy issues. We've done we've involved in that. That's been removed and moved. We can move forward regarding our growth policy. Now, just regarding that independent investigation, it's fully completed. It was historical transactions that dated back to 2006 and 2013. We had an independent investigation committee led by our non-executive chairman, Nigel Payne. We had external advisors, FRP. We've gone through everything we possibly can, including our own internal investigation on top of the external and we now can sit here and say we are looking forward to growing the business and concentrating the growth. Now, from what I said earlier, I think you can see the fact that the figures speak for themselves, the revenue is up, but the most important thing is to show that our fixture volume is up as well. A transaction is because it's showing that our market share is increasing with our strategy. So both from 21 to 23, you can see the increase there and you can see the first half of 2024. Everything is an upward projection. And for us, apart from the, obviously the recent distractions, it shows that we understand our business and we show our business model is exactly which way we want to go. Thank you, James. Now, I will uh, firstly cover the financial performance for the year ending 28th of February 2023. So if we start with the income statement, revenue was 51% up on the previous year at £152.9 million with strong performances across all segments. Our chartering business was up 57%, investment advisory up 40% and risk advisory up 42%. Although the group did benefit from a stronger US dollar, overall fixture volumes at 7,716 were 32% higher than the previous year. Given the increase in revenue, the main driver for the increasing operating expenses was broker costs. Underlying operating profit at £20.1 million was double the £10.1 million from the previous year. We had a number of specific items, including a goodwill impairment of £9 million on our corporate finance business and acquisition costs of £2 million, which was partly offset by a gain of £3.6 million on the purchase of Southport Maritime. The corporate finance business was acquired in 2017 and given the trading and outlook were weaker than expected, the impairment of £9 million was recognised in this period. As a result, statutory profits were £9.5 million, 11% higher than the previous year. Underlying earnings per share at 46.22 pence was 65% higher than the previous year and a final dividend of 8 pence has been proposed at the forthcoming annual general meeting. So total dividends for the year to 12 pence, a 33% increase on the previous year. If we look at the revenue mix in a little more detail, you can see that revenue grew in all areas of the business with the exception of corporate finance. The revenue profile for corporate finance is typically more lumpy and there was fewer mandates in the year. With that in mind, we reduced our expectations, as I said, and took the impairment I mentioned on the previous slide. 
However, you can see here that the group has a well-balanced revenue mix, and this is building resilience through the cycle. And as we continue to expand our global reach, we are generating more revenue from our offices outside of the United Kingdom. With the acquisition of Southport Maritime and the Madrid Tanker Desk, we will see revenues from outside the UK continue to grow in future years. Looking at operating expenses, as I've said, of the increase in costs, the majority was due to increased broker costs at £35 million. Of this, £5 million was for the new hires and to cover pay rises. £4 million was increased travel entertainment, which follows the reduced activity in the prior year as a result of COVID, and the remainder was bonuses. Professional fees increased by £1.6 million, partly due to increased audit and compliance fees. Share-based payments also increased by £1.6 million, and the increase in other was due to IT costs of £1 million, non-broking travel and entertainment of £1 million, and non-broking staff costs of £1 million. Importantly, you can see on this slide that despite the increase in costs, we can see the operational leverage coming through with operating expenses reducing from 90% of revenue in 2022 to 87% in 2023. The strong trading performance in the year improved the group's liquidity position, moving from a net debt of £9.3 million in 2022 to a positive cash position of £6.9 million in 2023. During the year, we received £6.5 million from the disposal of Corey Brothers but this was offset by the acquisition costs of Southport Maritime, £6 million, and the Madrid Tanker Desk, £1.3 million. Importantly, this provides the business with liquidity for future investment. Looking at the key performance indicators for the year, as I've said, revenue improved strongly over the last three years, with 2023 revenue 51% higher than 2022 and 83% higher than revenue in 2021. This improvement in revenue has led to improved revenue per head based on total average staff numbers at £398,000 for FY23. This was 45% higher than the previous year. And as the business continues to grow, as I've said, we see the operational leverage coming through with underlying operating profit margin increasing from 10% to 13%. I just talked about liquidity and finally dividends for the year 12p an increase of 33% on the prior year. Now moving on to performance for the six months ended the 31st of August 2023. Revenue performance has been strong, 8% higher than the same period last year, 5% up in US dollar terms. Fixture numbers have also increased by 8%. During the period, we saw a very strong performance in our tanker business offset by a weaker performance in dry cargo. Once again, operating expenses were higher due to broker costs as a result of the increased revenue, as well as the additional operating expenses from the new businesses that we invested in at the end of 2022. In the prior period, the business had a two million pound foreign exchange translation gain. And in this period, there was an 800,000 pound loss. So we saw a 2.8 million pound swing year on year. In addition, the business has incurred £900,000 in relation to the Madrid tanker team that joined the business. This cost will be amortised over three years and is disclosed within acquisition-related expenditure. Adjusting for these two items, underlying operating profit of £8.4 million is £500,000 or 6% lower 
than the prior year due to the increased operating expenses from the investments that were made. Underlying operating profit, as reported, is £6.7 million, £3.2 million lower than the prior year due to the items that I've explained, the FX swing and the Madrid tanker costs. Specific items of £4.5 million were incurred in the period, including £2.6 million in relation to acquisitions and £1.4 million in relation to the investigation. As a result, statutory profit before tax was £1.9 million, a decrease of £8.2 million on the prior year. Underlying earnings per share at 17.43 pence is 45% lower than the prior year and an interim dividend of 4p declared. It is unchanged on the prior year, but as James has already said, we maintain our progressive dividend policy for the full year. On this slide, you can really see the growing scale and resilience of the business. Strong performances in tankers, which includes the USA and Madrid acquisitions, as well as specialised offshore and securities, more than offset a weaker dry cargo market, as well as lower revenue in sale and purchase and corporate finance. So that overall, our revenues grew by 8% year on year. The reduction in revenues that we saw in dry cargo is rate driven. Overall fixture numbers are at a similar level to the prior year, and it's just the rates that's driven the decrease in revenue. Sale and purchase, as well as corporate finance, have a lumpier revenue profile. However, importantly, the pipeline for both of these businesses remains strong. Looking at operating expenses for the first half, as I mentioned, with the increased revenue and hires, broker costs have increased by £3.6 million. Other costs have increased due to share-based payments of £1.2 million and £1 million in cost relating to the new businesses established in both the shipbroking and securities areas. The group's liquidity position has also improved with net cash of £3.1 million, £1.3 million higher than a year earlier. Now, this is lower than the £6.9 million that was reported at the end of February, and that reflects the timing of bonus payments that are paid after the year end. So typically, we pay bonuses after the year end, and then we see our cash increase in the second half of the year. Finally, looking at key performance indicators for the first half. As I've said, revenues were up 8% on the prior period. Revenue per head has decreased slightly due to the number of people in the business, with average headcount increasing from 362 to 407. Operating profit margin at 10% is lower than the 16% reported in the prior year. However, adjusting for FX, this is 11% versus 13% in the prior year. Importantly, the forward order book continues to strengthen at $67.2 million, which is 21% higher than it was a year earlier. Liquidity continues to improve, as I've discussed, and a 4P dividend is declared, although I reiterate, we continue to maintain our progressive dividend policy. Thank you. I will now pass to Tris. Thanks, Grant. Just going to run you through a few slides here that um, show how we go go about identifying growth opportunities for the business and and the kind of um, metrics that we'll use to to evaluate those kind of businesses. So first of all, we use a calculated timeline for the delivery of profit enhancement. We very much look for the investment to be accretive to our bottom line in a very short space of time. We're always looking at new product lines, but we also look at ways of enhancing our existing portfolio with new brokers that can widen our client base. 
We're looking for new scalable additions, both geographical and through product diversification. And diversification, we're not just looking at broking, uh, broking businesses. Um, anything that we, we consider to be value enhancing to our service, we're interested in. Um, as some of you know, we made uh, we made investment in a tech company, Zumba Labs, last year, which continues to provide um, lots of solutions for for our desks and customers for uh, for sharing market information. So on this next slide, we've broken down 35 areas that we've identified in our business. We've then rated our positioning in these spaces. For example, in the vertical of tankers. We consider ourselves to have a strong market position in the UK, but we still see good opportunities in the rest of the world. Now, using where the slide was last year, we saw obvious strong opportunities in the Americas and Europe for tankers, which is the main drivers for our acquisitions of Southport in the Americas and the shipping advisors in Spain. We show that you know we've been able to successfully execute a strategy based on the spots that we can find in the market. You can also see there are clear verticals such as derivatives, where we see some very strong opportunities. As such, these will become key areas of focus in our strategy. We've already executed some of those. One point to note is that even where we have a, a strong market position, opportunities can still arise. For example, in dry cargo, uh, we were successfully able to recruit a team of um, seven Panamax brokers, which strengthened that position in the UK even further. On the slide, you can also see some still very clear opportunities in the Americas and the Middle East across all products, but also further good opportunities in the UK from four out of seven verticals. The offshore market also presents much opportunity as a result of the clear transition to renewable energy and also a resurgence in the oil and gas markets. We're very confident we've established a strong platform across 17 offices that is very much scalable for existing and new products. Um, we've also been growing our middle and back office resource to support the business as shipping navigates its way through a more complex and process based landscape. So just talking a little bit about the Southport and the Madrid acquisitions. Southport, first of all, the acquisition is performing well ahead of our expectations. The addition means that Braemar is now one of the largest fixing brokers in the USA for Afro and Suez Max tankers. This is a new business line for us in the US. Our UK and Singapore VLCC desks have enabled Southport to become a very active broker in the US and China VLCC market. That was previously not a feature for them and very much a key driver of global TC rates now. And the new and wider information flow has had direct tangible benefits for many of our desks, um, e even so far as our JV uh, with GFI have benefited tremendously from the information flow from the Southport team. Likewise, looking at Madrid Shipping Advisors, a completely new business line for Braemar. The acquisition has allowed us to work with large Spanish refiners, previously very much a local and closed marketplace that we couldn't get access to. Since inception, they fixed over 350 ships. This is all new business to Braemar. And again, the business works very closely with our offices in Geneva and London, providing invaluable information flow for us and our customers. So just looking at securities, I touched on earlier that James and I started JV with GFI about 20 years ago. That was very much the uh, the inflection point for, for him to think about diversifying into securities. Um, we see this as an area for major growth and opportunity with obvious synergies within the shipbroking space. 
In 2018, James successfully acquired Atlantic Brokers. This provided the regulatory framework for Braemar's expansion into initially a drive of Desk, which now has a complement of 14 brokers. At the end of last year, we hired 10 natural gas brokers and two fuel oil brokers. We now have in excess of 35 derivatives brokers. That's an increase of nearly 85% in three years. With offices in Dubai and Singapore, we see opportunity for growth of our existing desks to new clients in those areas. And we also see a transition into other products from our desks, such as LNG, EU ETS, carbon credits and energy options. Just going back a little bit to our JV with GFI, still going very strong, over 20 years old now, uh, and a market-leading broker in that space with a market share in excess of 30%. So looking at growth a little bit further forward from FY25 onwards, shipbroking, there are a number of significant changes that will challenge the market over the next five to 10 years. And these are all supportive of a more buoyant market requiring expertise in decision-making. There's been a lack of investment in replacing the world fleet, leading to an aging bulker and tanker fleet. There's also a complex transition to green fuels, which is very much underway, but far from clear as to the chosen fuel source. There's not been enough investment in New York capacity for new builds, and the market's having to tackle new regulatory requirements, such as the EU ETS, which starts in January next year. The combination of the above is all very supportive to chartering rates, we also know our customers are demanding much higher standards from their brokers. The KYC vetting process is flowing in both directions, and they are very much choosing trusted providers with good governance and financial stability. We think the smaller shops are going to struggle, and we intend to continue investing in supporting our middle and back office function. Braemar are one of only two publicly quoted ship brokers and are well positioned for consolidation in the industry. Touching a little bit more on securities, as I said, we identify this as an area that complements shipbroking, but also provides diversification. We very much see the energy and commodity space as a clear continued area of investment. Um, if we're looking at the larger intertier brokers, if their results so far are suggesting small single digit growth in their gross revenue, energy and commodities is very much a feature with most of those companies seeing an increase of in excess of 25% year on year on revenue for those spaces. Thank you, Tristan Grant. Okay, a little summary now on the outlook. Look, I mean, we've touched base on everything where we are on the revenue and the performance of the company and where we're trying to go forward, but the reality is that the revenue is up, the profitability is up. We still believe we're in line with where we said we're going to be in the consensus to the market for 2024. As far as the 2025 going forward, the Ford order book is continuing to rise, and I think those who don't really understand it, you know, we're sort of hitting our first day of our financial year with some 15% of the revenue already booked for the forward year. Uh, we believe that's going to increase with what's happening on the new building side and where the values are, et cetera, and how busy our desks are. We very firmly remain positive about the shipping market. I've been in this business since the 80s, and yes, I've been in markets that have been very bull. But it doesn't. It didn't feel like then potentially that the markets would potentially last. It feels the first time that there's longevity in the market on all sectors. Shipbuilding capacity has shrunk since the 2008-9 market by some 20 odd percent. So this obviously creates a difficulty for ordering ships as they get further and further out and prices increase. 
So at the moment, I think Braemar, we're feeling Braemar is in a, in a poise in a very, very strong position to, to, uh, to capitalise on where we are. Chris mentioned earlier how the world of shipbroking has changed and evolved in the last 20, 30 years. And although we have a regulated business, shipbroking is not regulated, but the compliance world coming in this was regarding to sanctions and KYCs and the bigger companies are coming through as the major clients insist on more and more things that we offer as a service, not just in broking, but also with the client service. We feel also that the fact we have like 17 offices around, the various desks talk to each other. It's a cross-fertilization of information that creates more business and fixtures, as you can see from the bottom there, the fact that that's growing the whole time. The securities desk are always talking. And sometimes, as I said earlier, the tail can wag the dog as far as the futures market. So it's imperative that we are in those markets because on the trading side, on the client side, invariably all those clients, all those traders sit together, the physical broker, the paper broker, the coal broker, rhino broker. So it's, we're offering that full service. And for me, of understanding where shipbroking is and where it should be, it's better to run a business that you fully understand. I leave, for example, I'm a believer of being in five days a week. I set the tone and that's and that's why we're pushing this business further and further forward. So very much on the growth projector from our side. So uh, that's probably where we're coming to an end now, I think. I want to say thank you for coming, but we've got some questions and answers afterwards as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Starting off, why is the interim dividend unchanged if you've got a progressive dividend policy? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As I as I said, as I went through my part of the presentation, whilst we are keeping the interim dividend unchanged at four pence, we do we do maintain that we do have a progressive dividend policy for the full year. So expect to see a, a, an increase in the dividend for the full year. The company has said it plans to double full year 21 profit by full year 25. Haven't you already done that? I think I think I can answer that question. Um, it's quite interesting as we we were talking about this two years ago about how we could, you know, to put the pressure, I guess the pressure comes back onto the board to grow, to double the business. And we talked about what is that? Size, revenue, profit. So obviously we said there's profit. Now, there's, we could sit here arrogantly and say, well, we've already hit that. But obviously, it's important to make a sustainable £18 million. And that's what we're pushing for, to make sure we can sit there and say, we've grown the business. And shipbroking is for those that don't know or do know. The fact is, it's, it's markets will move around. And we could have a situation where two years ago, it was all about dry cargo, and now it's all about tankers. We're making the business so it's protected against those big swings that if one market falls away, the other market protects itself. That's why we're diversifying within the shipbroking space to make sure that we can hit those figures by 2025. That's a sustainable level of earnings. And I know there's probably a limited amount you can say, but could you give a little more detail on the independent internal investigation? Uh, the investigation was complex and very thorough, as James said. It ultimately focused on a small number of transactions from 2006 to 2013. 
we cannot say much more about that because it's legal privilege, but importantly, it's behind us and we, we look to the future with confidence. And how do you see the outlook for the shipping industry? I think I touched base on it earlier by saying that um, for all the various fundamentals, I mentioned the fact that that actually as a company and what we are seeing, there is a lot of, there's a lot of reason to believe that the shipping cycle is going to last for a good few years for many reasons. That could be to do with the fact that we've got alternative fuels coming into the market. Sadly, there's geographical politics, uh, issues around the world today, which we see, which obviously creates an effect. We're seeing more, we're seeing longer voyages of more ton mile situation. We have issues in the Panama Canal that don't necessarily see it being resolving in any time soon, um, which is due to rainfall in that part of the area. So it's creating huge congestion. So we, the moment we are, we're feeling very positive in where we are. It's been a, it's been a issue regarding shipbuilding, which is causing a major problem, and the prices are hidden high, all-time highs, which are causing concern. And as we, as you said earlier, it's regarding the, the, the alternative fuels as well. So we are, we are in a positive position, believing where we are in shipping markets. Trish, was saying at all? Yeah, no, I, I just add to what, what James is saying. I think if you, if you look at the, the, the potential challenges the market's facing in the next five to ten years, you know, they're generally very supportive of stronger rates and, and. <clears throat> you know, greater regulation within the market, which obviously is, is better for us as, as one of the larger brokers. How do you think the market will resolve the supply side tanker crunch that may hit the market in the next few years due to the lack of new tanker building in the past years? It's quite an interesting question because, because theoretically, if you look back to where ships were some 20 years ago, there was a lifespan between 15 and 20. It feels like the ships will, will will definitely surpass the 20 year age bracket now. So theoretically, as the oil needs to be moved, they will um, they will move into older ships to a certain extent, as there's a lack of lack of supply. Um, also, we're seeing um, the scenario in the bulk of fleet is the same issue. It's, age, it's an aging fleet, so there's going to have to be some some form of rebuilding program irrespective of where the price is and that's where we're seeing a lot of confidence with the ship owners now as they look to build for the futures of the market and securities looks like it might get to a 20 million pounds worth of revenue this year from only three million four years ago but securities is only in the uk market on your circle chart can this become a 50 million pound revenue business over the next five to seven years yeah, I think that um, we, we actually had this question in another meeting with some analysts, and and I, I think the, the simple answer there is um, it's about how how much money the company wants to spend spend on expanding. If you're moving into those other geographies, a lot of the time you're moving into a completely new client base and and a completely new product. But I think insofar as within the scope of the UK and Europe, and and let's say Asia, Singapore, um, it's not inconceivable that we could um, double, possibly treble the size of the uh, of the offering that we have now. Um, you know, and and certainly in doing that, we'd be we'd be looking to you know get get somewhere close to those kind of revenues in the end. 
And will the operating margin in full year 24 match the 13% of full year 23? No, the, the, the operating margin, yeah, if you look at the um, underlying operating profit uh, consensus, excluding the acquisition-related items, is, is £18 million. So we expect the operating profit margin to, to dip in the full year, but then we'd like to see the operating profit margin improve. Um, and the reason for that dips, I said earlier, is the operating expenses that we've incurred in the business as a result of bringing on these new businesses. But importantly, what we're building is a platform for growth. So as we continue to build out our revenue streams organically or by acquiring new businesses, we can see, you know, because we have that platform, we see a lot of that coming through to the bottom line and we should see our operating profit margin growing from FY25 and beyond. Why are brokers not expecting any revenue growth in the medium term, given your upbeat comments? So I think what this question is saying is, you know, why, why are we holding full year 25 uh, flat, really, year on year? I think that's worth remembering that there's quite a lot of things going on behind that. We are, our revenue is US dollar based. And so we have some exposure into how the US dollar is trading against sterling. Um, there's obviously other things that are going on uh, with regard to rates. And whilst we're building a more resilient business, um, we think at the moment it's prudent for us to hold expectations as, as flat year on year. And the chairman at the 2023 results talked about the virtuous employee circle that's now underway in the business. Can you elaborate more on where the business culture is and how it's changed in the last few years? You know, James and Tris can comment obviously how it's changed in the last few years, but it comes back to my my point I just made. Really, we have built a platform in the business where we have a integrated offer, a full suite of products that we can offer our clients. We're a listed business; we operate to the highest standards. Our clients expect that, but that's also very attractive for for other brokers and other businesses to join the group because we have that infrastructure to support them, so they can really concentrate on on, on growing their business. Um, and I think, you know, to James and Trish have already touched upon it, I'd, I'd say from what I've, I've seen, the culture has changed in the way that clients want to ensure they're dealing with yeah. brokers, going through all the full onboarding, KYC, et cetera, that really meets meets their requirements. Is there anything you want to add to Yeah, that? no, I, th- I think that's, I mean, we've all, we've, we have touched base on a lot of this, the fact of the, the compliance and uh, is really pressing into the business as far as, and as far as the KYCs and the sanctions, we have to be on top of this all the time with our internal legal. So it's it's something that the, the main customers, the, the big oil companies are asking for, all these clients are asking for us now, to so making sure, and also same when we're doing S&P transactions, we have to cover this every single time. So it's becoming a, a part of our cost base for the business. But um, as Grant mentioned, and as I mentioned earlier as well, it's attracting some of the smaller shops aren't able to aren't offering this service, so they feel that like by coming under the bigger umbrella with all the with the, with the global information and the, and the protection of all those compliances, it's helping to attract. So we're able to entice and attract staff to come to, to brokers to come to our company. And are the board and senior management teams now set at Braemar and not expected to change soon? Now, I think you can safely say there's been a lot of changes in the last uh, two or three years. Um, I think I like to say uh, very, you know, 
proudly of the fact that we're a team, the executive teams know exactly and understand the business and what we're trying to get. We're very much aligned and we have a, a very, um, what we would regard a pushing very engaging uh, non-exec board who are enjoying being on the board and pushing us to get to where we need to go and complementing ourselves. So yeah, we are all totally aligned and we work as a team. So that's the most important thing. I think before, I don't want to say this too harshly, but it felt like before, you know, you need to understand, you need to you need to understand internally before you can actually sell the story and explain what we're doing to the outside. That's one thing we have a clear vision now. And I think not only a clear vision, we've actually proven that we can transact. We came in two years ago, we said we're going to do this and we've delivered on what we said we would do and we're ready to go and we're only going forward and some of the issues we've had have been legacy issues which have now overcome those issues and we're now looking forward. And can you explain for us what's happening in the Panama Canal at the moment and what impact this is having on shipping? It's having quite a big impact at the moment. I think I touched base on that earlier as well, um, to tell the truth. I mean, it's it's causing a lot of, it's a lot of congestion there. So you know, with the fact that you're not able to transit the canal because of um, shortage of water in the main lake at the top of the canal, so the ships can't uh, pass, it's mainly containers and, and LPG. The alternative option is to go around the Cape of Good Horn. That's obviously the Cape Horn, which obviously is a far longer. So once again, it goes back to that conversation we said earlier about ton miles, which creates a tightening of the market, which pushes the rates up. It's um, it's an El Nino-led, it's the driest October on record. Um, so, yeah, so this is that's probably the reason. Once again, it's an act of God in that situation. That's what makes shipping so interesting because an analyst can never predict exactly what's going to happen because things come at it from different angles. It's like, like the dry cold Cape market as we speak now. There's been no rain in Brazil. And that market's taken off again because we're seeing a turnout of more iron ore. So what are your views of the dry cargo market during 2024? Do you expect it to improve? Look, we've seen a big bounce in the last three or four weeks. I'm not saying it's going to be uh, sustainable, but it, it feels like it's a positive. I mean, it's gone through some pain the last 18 months. Um, speaking to the guys before I came into this and we've been touching them the whole time, they're feeling positive in, in, some, in some sectors. I mean, there's a Panamax they feel it's just holding itself. The case has obviously returned. I think it depends a lot what happens in China. I think as China's economy starts to move in the right direction, I think that's going to be the outcome of where the dry cargo market is in the moment. What's happening in China, it's, it's been, it's, it, I guess some of us thought it might come out of COVID in a strong way, but it's it's pulled back a little bit. That's, that's taken an effect on the oil demand as well as on the dry cargo side. So forward yes we're, we're optimistic but it's been going through some pain and does bremar have a particular strength in tankers and how do you view the tanker market for 2024 uh, i mean i can i can safely say we're one of the biggest tanker brokers in the world as far as tanks so we know that market inside out yeah i mean look i think as far as the tanker market was very much affected by the, the physical situation with um with ukraine and russia um i guess we don't see that potentially changing in the near future so there's optimism in the in the market on the tanker market um i guess once again also it relays against china as well because that's obviously a key key demand figure as far as that infantry's 
potentially be restocked again. So I, I, we're very optimistic in the tanker market. It's also showing a lot by the our futures market is strength on the on the next three years. It's showing strong rates. It's also saying we're seeing a lot of demand on the longer term deals. So look, I mean, yes, very much optimistic next three years on that market for sure. If not five years, I, I just add add to that. Just to just keep, keep coming back to that diversification being shipbroking point. Now you, you you can see on the charts that I run for that the businesses has got the business got growing strength in other areas as well now. So you know it's building a more resilient business model across the, the different areas. And that's the end of questions. James, do you have any closing remarks? I just want to say thank you for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. I think we're proud here as a board that where we've got to, but we realise the pressure's on immediately to continue to push for growth. I think we're in a very good place. Um, and yeah, as I say, I know that to reassure you that, that we as a board, in addition to the external investigation, did a thorough check to make sure that we now can sit there and say to you that that's all legacy issues and we look forward now um, uh, to growing the business and concentrating what we know best. So thank you very much. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.